This episode was brought to you with the support from members of the Pasty Tapes Fan Club. To support this podcast and receive some extra bonus goodies, visit thepastytapes.com to join the fan club now. Oh, hello! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. I hope it's not too late to say that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. My little production and publishing schedule got a little messed up. So we'll be back next week with the scheduled program that is supposed to drop next week. And then we'll walk a little backwards. But I really wanted to bring you this very timely episode today. First, let me say thank you so much for your continued support and for your continued cheerleading over last week. Was that last week? Was that two weeks ago? I don't know anymore. It was announced that I was voted the second most influential burlesque performer in the world in 21st Century Burlesque Magazine's Top 50 of 2020. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your continued support, for your continued cheerleading, and for voting me again to be on that top 50 list. That is wild. Speaking of top 50, my guest today is someone who is always number one in my heart and literally number one on my ballot and also literally number one on that burlesque top 50. My guest today is Jeez Louise, the honey badger of burlesque. She was voted the number one most influential burlesque performer in the world in 2019. And again, number one this year with Lolisbo, her duo group with Lola Van Ella. In this episode, we talk about the top 50. We unpack some of our thoughts and feelings about it. And we also give some shout outs to those who we hope to see rise on that list in the future. I am so excited to bring you this conversation with my dear, dear friend and someone who is just absolutely spectacular. This is my conversation with Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise, number one most influential burlesque performer in the world with Lolisbo. Welcome to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. I'm chatting. Yeah, I love a chat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have like, I don't even know where to start. I have like so many bazillion questions for you. You and I have like texted about top 50 in the state of burlesque. Yeah, for like a whole year at this point. Basically. (laughs) So I have made a couple Instagram posts telling people like, I'm going to have a special guest. Ask us some questions. So this is a basic ass question that's going to make everyone laugh. All right, I'm going to read this verbatim. What is burlesque? Whenever I have to describe burlesque, like, to somebody on my dating apps, you know, profile, like, when I'm chatting with people, the first thing I say is, like, oh, you know, it's, like, cabaret. And then they're, like, what's that? <laughs> and I basically just end up saying, oh, you know, it's, like, fancy stripping. And they're, like, oh, with, like, feathers and stuff. <laughs> I'm, like... Yeah, but you always have to strip, and there's not always feathers, and I just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm not going into depth with these people. I don't go into depth about burlesque with strangers, okay? That's fair. <laughs> but then, you know, when you, if you think about it, strip, regular stripping, club stripping also can be fancy. But when you say, like, 
fancy stripping, old timey stripping, people automatically think they get more of a visual idea of what burlesque looks like, even though if they still have no clue what's happening. Did we even do burlesque last year? Like, (laughs) did we do that? I feel like the definition of it changes. Last year, I feel like I spent the whole year doing classic burlesque. Okay. I was out here making wacky videos. There was satire. There was all of that. There wasn't a lot of stripping, but it had a lot of burlesque up in there. I agree. A lot of satire, like, right, like burlesque, right? If we look up the definition, like, right, it's like a parody. And that's what you were doing. My Whitney Houston act to me is like my, my definition of classic burlesque. Like there's comedy, satire, probably something that's slightly inappropriate. Elements of sexy. (laughs) But relevant, topical, you know? Tell me a little bit more about you before we dig into the top 50. When did you start doing burlesque? Give me your like brief burlesque origin story, but then we'll have like a you proper burlesque origin story. I feel like, do people want to know that? We don't know. It was a balmy March (laughs) night. And somebody dropped out of a burlesque show. And my friend was like, hey, I know a dramatic club stripper. She should fill in. And that dramatic club stripper turned out to be Jeez Louise. And history was made. (laughs) I literally just jumped into a burlesque show that needed a replacement like almost 12 years ago. And just haven't stopped doing it since that day. I didn't set out to do burlesque. I just literally replaced somebody and then was like I like this I can be a club stripper and a musical theater nerd at the same time sign me up so you made your debut 12 years ago and what I think is wild and also like pretty similar ish to my story I think that's something that you and I talk about a lot right like the parallels between like young geez louise and like show my more of today so You made your debut, and then a year later, you made it on the top 50. You were ranked 39. Oh, 39. That seems like so long ago. I never make it past 2014. Ever make. Every time I try to do research, I never make it past 2014. It's so much information. I I did it for you. Okay, so 2010, 39. 2011, 31. 2012, 18. 2013, 27. What? I moved down? Yeah. Oh, 2013 kind of sucked. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Less influential that year. That's okay. 2014, you were number 14. So 14 for 14. And then since 2015, you've been in the top five. So 2015, you were number four. 2016, you were three. 17, three. 18, five. And then 19, obviously, you were number one. I've been in the top five since 2015. Yeah. Four, three, three, five. And then you were number one the year that I made my debut at number four. And then this year, you're number one as Lisbo. Wow. Go Jeets. That's exciting. That is exciting. Like, I want to make a little bar graph, like a little, like, timeline chart. Yeah. A little graph. That's so cool. I'll, I'll do that for promo. Okay. So you've been doing a lot of interviews. You've had some stuff to say this week about Top 50. Can you bring us back to the first time you made that list back in 2010? What was that like? Okay, I started doing Burlesque 2009, and then I made the list, yeah, for 2010. 2010 was crazy. I couldn't, like, I mean, the top 50, I feel like the first year was 2009, right? Right, yeah. The list. So it was only, like, the second year. So it was new and exciting. 
I mean, I was new and excited about everything. And I couldn't believe it. I feel like I did. I remember, I feel like I did campaign heavy because this was when you still could, you could be like, vote for me, vote for me, vote for me, you know? And then, so I got on the list, which I couldn't believe it. And people were mad. Like people were like literally hating, like said I didn't deserve to be there. We're like, who is this person? <laughs> Where does she even perform at? <laughs> Where does she even live? Why is this happening? And, you know, the list was out of, was kind of weird that year. And people, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong, if my information is messed up because I smoke a lot of weed. This was a long time ago. So I, my details might be a little hazy. But there was like a scandal because people... Some people that were unfairly got on the list because they like hella campaign like this like a certain group were like overly came it was like a big scandal. I don't know what's the truth, okay? So everyone was like, Jesus only in the list because because I was in the group. And I didn't know, okay? I didn't know anything about this going on. So then I was like, did I really get on the list? For real? Am I part of the scandal? Like, what is going on? Like, you were just doing what everyone else was doing, right? Like, vote vote for me. So someone is, you know, people are saying, I was included, though, in the scandal. Maybe I was, but I didn't know that. No one told you. No one invited you. No one told me. No one was like, hey, Jesus, this is what we're doing. Because I would have probably been like, no, don't include me in that. Like, I love, I hate cheating. Like, I love scamming. Okay? Difference. I love a scam. I don't like cheating and lying. No. No. Then I started to feel like, well, maybe I didn't. Maybe this isn't real. Then I felt embarrassed. I barely even, I felt like. I didn't even want to say it half the time. I was torn between being like, yes, number 39, or wow, this is so embarrassing because everyone thinks that I like <laughs> shouldn't even be here. And not everyone, you know, just some crusty ass people that probably don't even perform anymore. Right. They're not going to listen to this podcast. So yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But like, then I had a fire lit under my ass. Like, oh, I'm going to prove, bitch. I'm going to prove that I'm going to be on this list. I deserve to be on this list and I'm going to stay on this list and I'm going to be number one. And you did that, literally. 10, 11, 12 years, how many years? But I didn't because I was so embarrassed, you know? And I don't know. But looking back, y'all, 2010 was a different time, but I was out here. Okay, talk about a go-getter. Tita Bonita was making me fake show posters for, like, fake tours that didn't exist that I was like, I'm going on tour. (laughs) And everyone was like, whoa, what is this tour? Who is this person? And I like made up fake bookings and be like, hey, I'm coming through your town on tour and I see you have a show. Can I be in it? Like I just was doing the most. I was up in everybody's inbox. Like I was obnoxious and like was like, hello, I'm here. Um, So I feel like I did deserve to be on the list. I mean, I don't know. There also was like five people doing burlesque. (laughs) Right, right. I look back at that list and a lot of the people, you know, don't do this anymore. We know some people stay on the list, like, you know, and I think that's a testament to stay on the list that long. Like Lola Vanilla has been on the list since the first year. She was in the top 10 long before anybody was even 
new performing, you know, which is crazy. And Pearl Noir, she been, you know, she's living legend and she been hanging steady in the top 10 forever. Like, you know, a lot of her contemporaries aren't in the top 10 still. Right. Absolutely. That's a testament. And now when you just say this, I've been in the top five since 2015. I'm like, that's great. That's crazy. I can't believe it. But that's you can because you fucking did it. That yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like truly is a testament to your influence in this space and obviously how you've grown as a performer, how people, how more people have come to see you over the years and like what you're doing for this scene. It's important. You're important. Oh, thanks. It's true. It's true. I didn't expect anything for 2020. You know, I wasn't walking around here like. I'm going to be number one again. I don't know. I don't, you just don't know. And, you know, when I was joking and say things like, you know, obviously like joking and have serious, like, can I have a do over? Like, I'm not expecting like an actual, <laughs> like do over. Cause if somebody else was killing it and got more votes and got number one, then they got more votes. You know, what can you do? So I wasn't expecting anything. I was hoping that'd be pretty cool to get number one again, you know? But I didn't have any expectations this year. Yeah, that's fair. What about you? How do you feel? Number two, what do you feel about it? I feel weird, and I feel like you're not going to like that response. I feel, okay. You feel weird, bitch. Like, that's also valid. It's, you know? Yeah, like, I really resonated with, like, your 2010 story because, right, like, I made the list at number four last year for 2019 um you tweeted something right like about like oh who's gonna make top five and someone was like oh well like maybe it'll be like a surprise person I don't know if that's ever happened before and you're like yeah "Yeah, like show my fucking did that there's a surprise like surprises you never know it's statistically like hard to get on this list because it's an open ballot so like you literally don't know like we literally do not know what's gonna happen but you know, last year when I made the list, uh, I think I have an episode about this. I like basically got really depressed and was like, oh my God, like, you know, people are out here posting saying like, well, someone who's been doing burlesque for a minute is now on this list or someone, you know, like, well, what do they even do? Like, who is this person? And I felt really bad. And like, I never want to be a sore winner. I don't know if that's a phrase people are like familiar with. And so for a second, it was like, well, like, Thanks. Thank you. Oh my God. It's so weird. Yeah. Super embarrassed. And it was so stupid to feel embarrassed about like an accolade or something, winning something, especially if you don't feel like you didn't deserve it. You're not like when you're already like, well, I'm think I did a good job. So I think I deserve it. So you're like, so why do I feel embarrassed about this? Right. Yeah. Why? It took a many, many a therapy session for me to like unpack that because it was like, well, yeah, in 2019, like I kicked my own ass. Like I was everywhere. I was like, just like you, like back then, like in people's inboxes. Like I was working my ass off on new acts. I was doing this podcast. I was doing my like Working, meeting people. Right, right. Like engaging with my audience. Engaging with people at festivals, at shows. Right, right. And then so with, you know, I had no expectations for 2020. Um, I think like coming off of 2019, it was like, oh, well, it would be stupid if my goal is to move up in the list. Like, I don't know why. I was just like, that's unrealistic. Like, 
you shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be that. So I was really surprised, but also like taking notes from you in the conversations that you've had this past week about top 50. It's like, well, burlesque looked different in 2020, obviously, but like I recognized, I took the time to recognize that like, well, I was still doing shit. I was still being influential. Like engaging and being active in the industry. Right. You know, other people have mentioned this, that we all learned a hard lesson in 2020 that a lot of us, you know, have struggled with is like, what are, what, what are our contributions outside of performing? What of our, what are our contributions outside of this immediate, you know, gratification of doing shows and stuff. And I'm the same way. I'm constantly like, especially after I had that knee injury and all those knee surgeries, I was like, okay, if I'm not performing, am I doing anything, you know, in the community? Am I relevant? Do I matter if I'm not on stage doing this one thing? And we all learned <laughs> this year that, yeah, you have to stay active in your own ways or not. So I fully respect and understand anyone in 2020 who was like, girl, bye, I'm not <laughs> doing this. Right. That's understandable. I was, I was, didn't know what, I just was like, I'm just going to make whatever comes to mind. I don't know. I'm not going to have any goals. I'm not going to have any expectations. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. Which obviously worked out for you. I wanted to like bring, I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to like entertain everybody because everyone is like feeling so shitty and I just love making people laugh you know, bringing a little bit of brightness and ridiculousness to their day. So yeah, I guess that was my goal. It was just to entertain people and try to be a little bit of, you know, dumbass sunshine throughout this year. Same. Yeah. But I also saw, okay, there's other ways I can contribute. Right. And that's like kind of what I've been thinking a lot in this like quarantine time. Like what is like my purpose here? That's like bigger than myself. Like what am I doing? Right. And so for me, it's like, I'm documenting people's stories. I'm having these conversations. I'm like entertaining people by talking about food. That's something that's easy for people to think about and not depressing, you know, distraction. Right. Right. And I think that that's, I don't know. I think that's worked out. And like, I hear a lot of people, especially like following, like the list is a tender thing, right? Like, People get all in their feelings about it. That's totally understandable. Right, right. And I feel like probably, you know, let's have a caveat. Like, I know people are going to be like, well, this is a conversation between like number one and number two. Like, of course, like blah, blah, blah. And when I, when there's a day that comes when I'm not on the list at all, I'm also going to talk about that too. But, you know, I can't, I'm, my experience has just been what it is and it is my experience and no one else is going to have the same experience. So. It's just a different experience. Why? I have a question for you. Why do you think people think that you should not be on the list? Yeah, why do you think that is? Why do you think it upsets people and bothers people? Because I'm because I'm new, and that's such a weird thing to say. People get upset when they think about like what, perhaps like the limitations of their definition of success. Right. Mm-hmm. We look at that top ten this year. I've never performed at Behoff. Yeah, because there always is like that correlation of like, okay, well, who did Beehop this year? Whoever's the queen this year, you know, they're going to move up. Whoever, you know, like, so that, you know, people like to calculate that in there as Mm -hmm. well. Right. Like I've never, I've headlined one festival. I've never performed out of the country. And so I think like 
I, I feel like maybe because people feel like I haven't paid my dues or I haven't been around long enough. What even is that? Like, right. What is that? What does that mean? Because in 2010, yeah, that's how I felt too. When people were like, like I haven't done enough. I'm like, but you don't even know what I was doing in my life before I started even doing burlesque. So, <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sorry. Do I have to, I don't deserve to be on the list because I've never stage kittened. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like, I don't, what's the criteria? Yeah, I don't understand this, like, the new thing. Like, if it's because it's been, you've only been doing it a short amount of time. But you also studied burlesque for, like, two years or something. Right, for, like, a zillion years. And also, like, when I started, like, I was really strategic about how I wanted to do yeah. this. Um, yeah, you had, like, a plan. Right, right. Which, like, not everyone has to have that. Not everyone needs to be, like, crazy type A. Uh, you know, plan like, was like, I'm twerking every bar top for $12. I didn't care. I don't know. Like, that or maybe, you know, it's either this new thing, right? There's That's one thing. Or maybe, like, I'm actually an asshole and, like, no one's been willing to tell me that. And so people don't like me and they don't deserve it. I don't know. I mean, people think I'm terrible. There's so plenty of people out there who literally don't like me as a person and just don't, they don't like my acts. They think my acts are bad. Like, I mean, I don't care, but like, I can't, I can't act like that doesn't exist. Right. Like, that's fine. Like, I can't expect everyone in the world to agree. Right. About that. But like, I don't know. I mean, yes. And there's definitely been times where I have looked at this and been like, hmm. Why? <laughs> What's wrong? But you know, I don't know what they did in their personal community. Maybe they like gave every person in their town a hundred dollars for a costume and didn't broadcast it on the internet. Like I don't know what they did for somebody behind closed doors. What they did for somebody not on social media. What they did for their community, like off stage, offline. I don't know. They could have made an impact in another way. And didn't log on to Facebook to talk about it. Right. Which is totally fine and valid. And like, we don't have to live our lives online. Yeah, and supposed to know. Yeah. You know? I just remembered. I was like, oh, last year I did give like hella people money. Like, so like, I was like, I didn't go on the internet and be like, hey, I just gave somebody a hundred dollars. I'm so nice. Like, I don't know, but maybe that person voted for me because I gave him a hundred dollars. I don't know. Right. I think it like points back to like what you said in um, your conversation with like both Tito and with Egypt, where it's like you're connecting with your audience in the way that like you can and know how, whether that is like being entertaining or like maybe it is like the little things, right? Like you saw someone's dad had COVID and you wrote them a love note or like. Why? Or maybe, you know, you said something that resonated with people. You can't, we can't gauge or we can't say what other people's impact has been on another person. You know, like we can't, I can't say what Lola Van Ella's impact has been on Show My More. I don't know. Like, you know, that's between y'all. Right, right. That's between whatever is happening. So I can't say, well, this person, that person didn't have an impact on me that year. I didn't care about anything that they were doing. But maybe (laughs) that doesn't mean that a thousand other people did not you know what I mean? Right. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. And like, it's easy to say that, but in the moment when you're like, this fucking sucks. Like, I understand that too, because it's not like, just cause I've been on the top 50 for 10 years. Don't mean I not get a bunch of other shit that I really wanted. <laughs> that part is something that 
I think is really easy to forget because people find the list like so exciting. Um, I told one of my coworkers at my day job, like, oh, I just got this, you know, I just was recognized as this thing. And my coworker said, oh, do you get a bonus? And I was like, what? Bonus of what? Like, do you get like money for making this list? Like, and I was like, no. He's like, do you get like a sash or like a certificate? And I was like, oh, yeah. Somebody asked me that though. I'm like, you just get to say that you did it. Yeah, you get to to look great on your resume. I don't know. Right. And like, what's funny about it is, you know, like, we put so much weight on it, right? Like, of course, if you make this list, like, you're not going to not put it in your bio and your intro. But to an extent, like, you don't really, you don't get anything, right? There's still going to be people who won't book me because I'm fat, even if I was like, you know, act, you know, a really stellar performer, right? And this list is about influence. It's not about like, are you a good dancer? Are you a good performer? It's about influence, right? right? But, you know, you could be the number two, you could be number one, and people won't book you because you're fat or you're black or like you don't own this kind of costume and you don't know how to sew. Like or it doesn't not like you. Right. I or mean, they just straight up don't they're like they're you. Just like she's annoying to me on Facebook. So I'm not booking her. Like that's right. A legitimate reason. Like I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it is what it is. <laughs> I don't like how much show my more posts about crab brain goons. Yeah, like people are like, Jesus has an attitude on Facebook. I don't like it. I'm not booking it. <laughs> like, okay, I don't care. Like, <laughs> but I don't know. And like things, you know, things like the list and like Beehive, Beehive, any competition, Burly Picks, 21st Century, it only gives, it only has the weight that you give it. If it's important to you, then it's going to be important to you. If you don't care about it, then it's not, you know, like it only has the power that we allow it to have. Right. Right. And we're all clearly giving it that power. So what do we expect? <laughs> like, I don't know. Right. Right. And like people can be, so, you know, you can be upset. Like, of course, if this is the thing that you want, but like. There's shit that I'm sad about all the time. Do you know how many times I'm hitting up festivals in Europe? Like, let me headline. Let me perform and they're like no <laughs> like they're just like thank you they know I'm the number whatever performer in the world they don't care like they're like we're not booking it so it doesn't even matter there's people not on the list at all that are so successful and well respected and like have done so much like and maybe they just we're like, didn't even tell anybody to vote for them and they don't care. Or I don't know, maybe it's that there's a billion people in the world and there's only 50 slots. So I don't know, the top 50 is the top 50. Like I know that makes the competition more, the more and more people there are, but like, I don't know if I agree if there should be like top If we had a top thousand, you're still going to have 1,001 plus who's not going to be on it. And people going to be on the list. Like I don't, and I know I'm sure I sound like an asshole, but whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, it sucks. When I think about all these auditions and shit that I'm, like, submitting for, I'm like, there's probably 500 people, like, <laughs> applying to this part. Like, I'm going to understand 
like, yeah, my submission was amazing and my resume, like, obviously I should be getting hired for this because I'm perfect for the job and why would they not hire me? And then they don't hire me because there was 500 people that applied and... And that's what happens. What? I don't know. It makes it good. What do you have to say to people who are, like, discouraged about not getting on it or, like, you know, are like, oh, like, this is pointless. No one ever sees me or whatever. It's gonna fucking suck. Like, yeah, it sucks. And being upset and about all of that is valid. You don't want to like be upset with your fans or like, you know, your community for not voting for you, but you do want to like, like, I understand. Then you feel like, wow, well, am I even valid? It's a val- it's all about validation. We all need that validation. We all want to be seen and respected and validated and acknowledged, especially by our peers in our industry. You know, I'm here to do my job (laughs) for the audience. And like, I don't know, like I'm because I'm such a community minded person. Like I care about the community and I want everybody to thrive and all that. But also it's like, this is also like an industry and our jobs and there's going to be direct competition and you have to also understand that and keep that in mind we all are friends and besties and everything but we're all gunning for the same jobs like we're all gunning for the same limited jobs the same limited spots the same limited titles you know there's only so much for us to even have and the more people that do burlesque the fiercer the competition is going to be totally that makes sense there's not there's not a lot of more things being created <laughs> for us to have so we're all just grasping at these same five pillars of burlesque achievement and then that's why things are important like you know the noir pageant to have a new ti- a new title a new thing to go after like something different like there does need to be more stuff like i don't mind competitions i don't mind sure make more lists i think that's great have a, there's a billboard 100 and then there's this hot 100. Like there's, I feel like there can be more lists. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Holly's just one person that decided to do it. Nothing stopping Show My More from making a pasty tapes top 50 list, you know, like anything, y'all, any of us could do that. That's true. That's a really good point. Yeah. And like, you know, in terms of like validation and external validation, obviously we're performers. We want that applause. We want all of that. But like, my big thing is like, you got to be your own cheerleader at some points. Like you need to like cheer yourself on. And then also like the other side of that is like, when you see someone doing a good job, like you should fucking tell them and let them know. Also how you build community because people, I don't know, I want to surround myself by people who cheer for others and build each other up. And those are the people that I want to work with. And those are the people that I want to be around, the energy that I want to be around, you know. And having that base of community and folks that support you and believe in you and want to see you thrive is so important to have, you know. Hold on, I gotta grab I gotta grab some weed. Hold on. <laughs> okay, and we're back. So one of my dear friends, Kitty Kapow, asked a question that I thought was really interesting. And obviously, top 50 could be boiled down to a popularity contest. A lot of influence or this or that in burlesque could also be pointed to, you know, popularity popularity. Obviously, there's skills, but yeah. 
popularity, right? Kitty wants to know from both of us, have you won any similar popularity-based contests before in your life? You know, like, can you give us a little bit of your feelings on the concept of popularity? Because obviously we're not going to be on this list without being like some level of popular. No, I don't know. I've not really been popular. Not in high school? You know what? I'm going to send it. Are you going to ask? I ask. I'm going to ask my college friends, my college girl group, if I was popular. Okay. Do you want me to answer the question while this question comes through? Okay. So I texted my best friend from high school, and then I texted my best frenemy from high school. We actually like really did not like each other. And then as adults, we became friends. And I asked, okay, did you consider me popular or likable in high school? And my friend of me said, I mean, yeah, you were class president and teachers liked you. Okay. Well, well, class president, I don't remember who the hell our class president was. My high school is an all girls Catholic high school that had like 400 people in it. So there's that. My best friend said, I would call you popular in the well-liked, highly regarded by a diverse group of people sense and less in the stereotypical high school popular girl definition, if that makes sense. My best friend is obviously a very like heady kind of person. So both of these people basically said yes. Yeah, that you were popular. But I was like popular in, I guess like, yeah, in that like well-regarded kind of way and not like I'm hot shit. Like I mean, like- Like you, well, there's a difference between like you know, hot girl popular and like nerdy class president. Yeah, like (laughs) when I feel like when we think of the word popular, we think of like cliques and like the cool people. Like I definitely was not popular in high school, but I was well liked and known because I was involved in a lot of activities. I was always in the spring musical and speaking parts. I was in all the dance groups. I played soccer. I played tennis. I was on the student government. But I wasn't like a popular person. I just was involved in a lot of things. So I got the senior superlative for best actor. But that's not a popularity contest because I was the best one at that. So Right. <laughs> you, were the, you were, in I, fact, the best actor. I was Oliver Twist. I played a 12-year-old white British boy. Yes, I was the best actor. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but no, I like I really wanted that one. So you know, I got that. Okay, the girls, the girl group responded. What? Rose said Rose said, yes, very. I think this is a lie. Because okay, in college, I did the same thing. I was known for being in a bunch of musicals and shows and stuff. But I was, I don't know. I just hung out with my friend groups. Rose says, yes, I was popular. Bro, I think Rose will just say whatever. So I'm going to see if anybody else responds. But no, I haven't got anything else. I mean, I guess when I won Viva Las Vegas, that was by audience votes. So that was the most popular act in the arena that day. Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm definitely always known for being like, I'm a person that makes people laugh all the time. I have a wacky personality. I'm not extremely like extroverted or up in people's face all the time. Like I wasn't a class clown or making noise or anything, but I wasn't an unattainable person. I was very approachable and well-liked. Well, I would say I was absolutely well-liked, but I don't know if that equals popularity. 
Because I also was fucking bullied in high school. So the bullies, like, I don't know. Do popular people get bullied? Right. I got bullied a lot in high school. I was like poor and I was fat. Yeah. Like people are making fun of me and I'm like crying every day. And people are like posting lies about me in the yearbook. Like I don't think, (laughs) like, I don't know. I think that's why I'm like, "Mm, there's a balance. Like, yeah, I was well liked and people knew me, but I also was like, bullied a lot so right I can see a lot of parallels to like what we're saying about like our younger years experience with popularity to like how we are in burlesque now like right because it's not like I'm popular in burlesque for not doing anything right right I'm active and involved in stuff right so I don't know I've never I've never considered myself like a popular person like and now I'm thinking of like queer communities you know black communities there's people that'll be like oh yeah I know I I've heard of her (laughs) like I kind of know what she I kind of heard of her but I'm not like everybody know you know like but people I'm well liked and respected because I'm approachable and involved yeah I think that's the same for you okay I think there's I think there's something to popularity for a reason like it's not if you're kim kardashian like fame for no reason like this one thing but like if you're just popular because you're hot and bitchy that's different than like if people like you and respect you and and think you're making a difference that's a complicated that was a good question and a very complicated answer one of the things that i've been wondering about which is like really weird to say out loud how come it took like 2020 and like a civil rights movement for us to have a more diverse list. You know, I was thinking about that also. And the only thing that I, two things I can come up with is white guilt. And (laughs) because 2020, everybody got to be exposed to so many more burlesque performers. Like everybody didn't, doesn't get to go to Jeezy's juke joint or noir pageant, you know, in person or any of these things, you know, or maybe they do live in a town where there's literally one black performer. And because of all these online shows and everyone was so much more connected and networking online, I think the expo, like black people in particular, and I'm, I'm saying for all PC too, but black people in particular like came out the gate in 2020 with the online content, like the shows, the outfits, the TikToks, like people's videos, like um, their activism, just being vocal on social media, doing town halls, doing lives, like just even going on Instagram and talking about their experience as a black person or as a person of color and sharing information like, Black performers really did a lot this year. So I was not surprised, but because I'm not saying clearly we do a lot every year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think there was so much more exposure and a lot of people's eyes were open to a lot more things outside of their immediate community and their immediate things that they're interested in, you know? And I feel like a lot of non burlesque fans got exposed to a lot of burlesque, <clears throat> a lot more POC and black burlesque this year in particular. We've been out here doing this every year, so y'all are late, but we can't deny that everyone was exposed to so much more this year. And I think also with all the shit that went down in 2020, 
I think people literally had to be like, wait, okay, I'm sitting down and I'm thinking of my 10 people and I've thought of these 10 people and now I'm looking at my list and they're all white. I think people voted with their, like, consciously, like, voted smart this year and actually sat down and think about what they saw, what they consumed this year rather than who their friend is and who they've seen the most or who they liked, you know? I want people to do that every year. Absolutely. I want people to carry this energy when we start booking again and people are booking for festivals and paid gigs and paid, you know, festival spots and everything like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, no, people need to keep the same energy. Okay. Like with these bookings when we're back in post Corona times and I want people to stay connected whether it be social media, online shows, or whatever, stay connected with what's going on outside of your bubble. Yeah, and keep up with all of these black and brown and POC and queer and trans performers because we've been out here doing the work. Like, Pochop been out here, y'all. But because Pochop is not a performer that regularly travels around the burlesque circuit, just because... Y'all didn't know that Pochop been out here nailing it for X amount of time. Doesn't mean that they haven't. So, but because of now all this new exposure and making online content, now the world has gotten to experience the magic and influence of Pochop. Absolutely. So that's not to say that before Pochop was not in the top 10, they weren't doing nothing or they weren't exposed. But 2020, Pochop came with the online content hard. Oh, Pochop, Pochop forever. No, Pochop forever. That's who, Pochop top 50 forever. I want Pochop to get to number one. That's I want Pochop to be number Pochop one. Pochop is like, leave me out of it. Pochop right. is like, I don't care, leave me alone. Pochop's like, I don't want, like, please. Like, top what? Who? Right. Top, I want Pochop to get to number one. Yeah. We'll yeah, say it I loud. It's going to happen. You know, I think it's going to be number one coming up in the upcoming years. <laughs> Jezebel Thunder. Going to make it to number one for sure. I think she's a good example of someone who obviously engaged online and made interesting online content. But something great that she did was also be like a normal ass human on the internet. Yeah. We got to see a little more of like her life and, you know, what she does. This is exactly yeah. what you're talking about, right? This is more exposure mm-hmm. to people that is that are not in our bubble, right? She hasn't been in exactly. Chicago. We don't get to see her perform ever live, hardly, like ever. So it was awesome to get to see more clips and everything. Ugh, love it. Who do, what? Who do you think could be number one in the upcoming years? There's a lot of people that I want to see get more recognition. Like I want more people to fall in love with Pochop, right? I want more people to fall in love with Jezebel Thunder and Tito. Everybody to fall in love with Salem, my boo Salem. That's like, who can be up on there for sure. That's someone who I want to make the list for sure. Mm-hmm. Salem blew up on making great music. They are so innovative. They are so scrappy is the wrong word. Like scrappy and crafty are the wrong They're words. Hungry. They're hungry. They want this. They love hungry and ready to eat. They know how to make. They like are makers. They make things that are interesting. And Salem is and we see Salem's humanity. We generally like we genuinely care about Salem's well-being. Like I feel like collectively the people are like protect Salem at all costs. Like we want to see them happy. We're rooting for them. Like there's somebody that we're just like. I know the people want to see them do well and succeed. 
Yeah. Everyone's like in their corner because they see Salem struggles. They see how hard Salem's working. They see them putting in the hours, like constantly leveling up and people want to support that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want, I want more people to recognize Salem in the upcoming years for sure. That's my person. And also we have to remember, so, you know, Holly May tomorrow could be like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. The burlesque top 50, this is the last year we're not having them anymore. And it could just go away forever. Like it could just happen. Right. So, which is why, which is why we need to like tell people this shit, right? Like we need to tell Salem that we love them. Like we can't rely like Holly made great. Good job. Thank you for, you know, spending all this energy, but we can't rely on this one person doing one job. You know, she's just one person doing what she can do. So she decided to make up on her own, you know, so we could make up any of our lists, but then, you know, you get into the, like, you don't want to be like, Top 50 fat performers, top 50 black performers, top 50 pan-Asian trans performers. Like, you know, like, then it could be like, okay, is this too specific and separating, you know? But if black people want to make a top 50 black ass burlesque list, go do it. That I think is, I hope is people's like main takeaway from like all this wild journey that you and I had in this conversation over the last hour. Like, go do what you want to do. All of this shit is some made up stuff. This one person made up that we all collectively decided was important to us. And you can change your mind on what's important. You can change your goals. You can, I think something that you've said in all of your previous interviews this week is like, was this your goal? Is this a thing you want? Or is this a thing you want because other people have it? Yeah, it's our goals. If top fifty don't exist no more, all our all our goals finna be shifting, babe, babe, babe. Nobody's listening no more. People obviously shifted in a world without physical stages. What would you do if this list didn't exist? How would that change what you're doing? I don't know. Maybe now that I have, you know, finally reached the goal that I set, maybe next year I won't care about being on the list anymore. Cause I was like, oh, you know, I've got two years as number one. Maybe I won't care about it. Or maybe I won't get my foot off everyone's neck and try to stay at number one. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just won't care anymore. Maybe I'll, my priorities will shift. But, you know, after I competed for a Miss Exotic World and didn't win, I was like, okay, well, I don't care about that goal anymore. But some other people are like, I'm doing it every year until I get this shit, you know? But priorities shifted. My dreams and goals shifted after that. I realized that's not what I wanted to spend my energy doing. Well, I don't know. Again, easy to say. Because we're on the list, so I don't know. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but... No, right. Just because you, like, win something or people think that you're... Yes, you you also can recognize that you're in a position of privilege and still be able to talk about your experience. And just because I'm privileged, quotation marks, in the way that I have been in the top 50 for whatever years, like, bitch, you don't know my life, so... Right. (laughs) Like, my my thing is, is, like, okay, like, I was recognized as this thing and now I got to, like do something about it. I think like now everyone's looking at you like, bitch, don't fail. What you finna do, Shomai? How you gonna step it up? Who are you? What are you about? Why do you deserve to be in number two? Okay. So that freaked me out last year. Like that like was part of my depression tailspin. But like what I, I needed to like make myself step back and be like, okay, I was voted for the spot for shit I already did. I don't owe anyone. You already did it. I already did it. Do you feel like you deserve to be in number two? How do you feel? I feel like I did a lot. 
in 2020? I know that I answered this question a little bit earlier about like holistically in general, but I'm really proud of what I did last year in 2020. I don't think I don't, I, we were texting, you know, as the list was coming down and I was like, I don't think I'm on it. And you're like, okay, but you could be. So like, why are you, (laughs) why are you doing that? Um, but I look back at like what my year in 2020 was like, as we do like a little retrospective and it was fucking hard. And I did a lot of things. Like I did a fundraiser that raised, you know, like 10 grand for like black organizations. It went viral. Like that's huge. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't have this burlesque base, like I kept doing the pasty tapes. Like I interviewed, you know, legends and other people like yourself included. And that's a lot of work. And I don't know, like I can see the impact that I made. And I think like, I have a lot of moments with burlesque where I'm like, you know, part of me is like, fuck this. I don't need to do this. I don't want to do burlesque anymore. But then I have moments that it's like, oh, like I'm making a difference by just. Yeah. And you enjoy doing it. Right. Right. It's something that's like bigger than myself, you know? Yeah. It's more than performing at XYZ Festival or getting to do these gigs on Thursdays and Fridays. You right, know? right. And so one of the things that I'm short on the word, a word that I find myself saying a lot that I'm trying to figure out how to get out of my vocabulary or shift the meaning is the word deserve. Like, what is, what is that? You know, so I'm like, so people, you might not think that I deserve to be on the list, but you can't say that I didn't earn it. Okay, can I just like erase my last answer? That's how I feel. Yeah, so you can like, sure, you can feel like I don't deserve to be on the list because that's your personal feeling. But you can't say that I didn't earn my place on the list because that would be a lie and not a fact that could be backed up with evidence. So Making the list this year wasn't my goal, but as I look back on it, it's like, yeah, I... I earned this, right? Like I did work. Right. So I'm trying to get that out of my mind of things that I do and don't deserve. Cause like, what is that? This, I think, yes, but there's are things that I earned cause I worked for them. Right. You know? Right. Which I wouldn't have been able to do without burlesque. People deserving spots on the list is your personal feelings. People earning spots on the list is that's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just different. So. Yeah, that's all all I'm going to say about that. Geez, as we, let's wrap up here. This was a great spicy conversation. Thanks for letting me, you know, be me. Of course. I couldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. Let me ask you this last question. Obviously, as we've mentioned a thousand times now, you've been on Burlesque Top 50 for a thousand years now. You were number one last year, number one with Lowly's Bow this year. Your goals have shifted a lot, as you've mentioned in here. You're very intentional about your goal setting. Tell me what your goals are for the future. You know, I was just talking with my psychic about this recently um, because I needed some confirmation that I was on the correct journey. And my goals right now, my priority is my personal development journey. Um, I have zero burlesque goals. I have, yeah, like, which is, I've been, I'm somebody who's had a planner since they were five years old. My weeks and months are planned ahead. I love knowing what's happening. I love setting goals for myself. And like, normally I'm like, okay, June to March is juke joint time. March to May is show me burlesque. June is pride. July is camptacular. 
uh, like I know everything that's going to happen. And now none of that is happening. But instead of like beating myself up about trying to scramble and find all this purpose and find all these new dreams and goals and things I want to achieve, I've just decided to not <laughs> and achieve the goal of being a fully realized and developed human being who has the capacity to care for others in her community and her family, most importantly, care for myself so that I can care for others. And I'm really just focusing on becoming the best version of myself. And I feel like ever since I started prioritizing that, all the rest of the goals and dreams that I might have in the future will present themselves and will fall into place as they see fit rather than me trying to force them into my life. I love it. Ooh, I have chills. Oh, thanks. I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> I can tell. That was a really good answer. Like, that doesn't mean that I don't want to perform or don't want to teach. Like I'm still doing stuff, but I'm not prioritizing it in the way that I have in the past, which was detrimental to my personal health. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh. That's yeah. rich. What about you? Oh God. Okay. Well, I haven't thought about it as much as you have. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my speech anyway. I'm on the same wavelength. My goals for 2021 have nothing to do with burlesque. Absolutely nothing with burlesque. Like I was supposed to have, supposed quote unquote to have a 2020 like whirlwind year of touring and whatever. And then 2021 was supposed to be my burlesque break year, which is interesting mm -hmm. when we had the 2020 we had. So all of my goals are also related to personal development. Like I, as we've mentioned in this podcast, I have a nine to five career. Mm -hmm. And there's some big like moves happening there. And like, that's important to me too. And, but yeah, all of my things revolve around like, what are the things, figuring out like, what does burlesque mean to me? And what does it look like? What do I want to do about it? Burlesque is, looks a lot, like, looks like a lot of different things. Right. Right now. It looks like it's not one or two things. It could be any way. And I'm not ever going to not be in the burlesque community, even if maybe I'm not doing online shows for the next six months or whatever, but I'm still going to be around because you can't get rid of me. Okay. Oh, I don't, I wouldn't want to, but yeah. Yeah. You know, me and Lola, like we're obviously like, well, Lisbo episode four is going to come out. Like I have some other projects coming out, but like, I know that those things are going to, they're going to happen organically in the way that they need to happen rather than forcing them and being like, Oh, I got to have all these things and accomplish 2021. I'm just going to like, let it happen. Yeah. I got like a lot of like gooey stuff to work on with me to keep working on with me and whatever happens with burlesque happens. It took me a long time to get to this point <laughs> because you know, we all had this whole thing of like trying to make sure we're staying relevant in 2020. And like, I just am like, I don't need to do that anymore. I can focus on other things. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to be making stupid videos every day and, you know, making videos with my fans and boas and all that because I'm still going to be doing that. But I'm not, I'm not sacrificing my own personal, mental, emotional health in order to have my career goals. I'm not doing that. And I feel so good about that. And I think everyone else it's going to feel amazing. Like they're going to be able to tell I'm going to be sending that wavelength out. 
So everyone's going to be like, we love this for you. Right. And I want that for other people too. Yes. I want this for everyone. Like we just spent like 10 months in existential dread. To be honest, like I just don't have the bandwidth to be upset or stressed out about it anymore. (laughs) Right. Like whatever. I like, I don't know. Maybe that's apathy or maybe it's just because every other day I've survived a fucking trial and tribulation and trauma and test so I'm just like okay girl (laughs) like I'm just gonna focus on me okay surviving in a sustainable manner thriving thriving I'm trying to thrive and survive you know I respect that oh okay I think that is a wonderful place to end I hope people took whatever we said to heart or like not you don't have to do anything it's fine but geez Louise thank you so much for being on this episode Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh my God. I love you so much. And I think everyone knows that. And you know that. Do you have anything you want to plug? Where can people find you on the internet? Ooh, we want everybody to check out episodes one through three of Lolisbo, the show on burlesquegalaxy.com. Um, keep a lookout for episode four coming very soon. Um, if you can, please try to follow me on Instagram because the shadow ban is real and I just changed my account from a creator account back to a personal civilian everyday person account. So maybe my shadow ban won't happen anymore. So follow me on Instagram. Um, yeah, all my links are there and follow me on TikTok because I, I desperately need the views. Thank you. Thanks, Jeez. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Thanks again, Jeez. If you haven't listened to her conversations with Tito Bonito or with Egypt Black Nile, you can find those on those folks' Instagrams. I will drop those links in the show notes. I want to know your thoughts. Tell me your reaction to this episode. Tell me your thoughts and feelings around Top 50. Leave me a shout out to someone that you love. And you can always do that by leaving a voicemail or sending a text to the Pasty Tapes hotline. That number is 1-530-PASTIES. That's 1-530-727-8437. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Pasty Tapes. If you love this show... Follow us across the internet at The Pasty Tapes. You can hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave five stars on Apple Podcasts. Do you want to get more of The Pasty Tapes? You can get extras by joining The Pasty Tapes fan club at thepastytapes.com. If you want to sponsor a whole ass episode, jump on it, visit that website and get more information. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. And you can follow me across the internet at Show My More. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you again to the members of the Pasty Tapes fan club. And I'll be back next week with a whole fresh episode of the Pasty Tapes. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>